0: you're wrong the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love and i'm shelby and i'm here with matt
1: hello everybody
0: (laughs) i know i'm so excited to do this because we never get to see each other anymore
1: i know for those of you who don't know, Shelby and I used to work together like two yeah. years ago.
0: I think it's, yeah. it's been a while. It's, I know. It's been so long. I just, I miss that place so much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we used to kind of like just menace the office because I don't think anybody else wanted to hear about these pop culture. I know.
0: Phenomenons.
1: But I was like, well, I need to talk to somebody about it.
0: We were like close in age. Yes. We were new. We were mm-hmm. the underlings. And we had a lot of close open office space so we just filled it with gabbing about all the different drama of the week and no one else appreciated it yeah. so we decided to bring it out <laughs> to the masses to find someone who cares yeah.
1: we threatened our co-workers while we were there we were like we're gonna start a podcast we're, we're gonna do it someday and yeah
0: it took two years <laughs> but here we are yeah I know. And we're not even in the same state anymore.
1: I know. I'm I'm still in New York where still at the same job.
0: Yeah. She <laughs> went off
1: and got married and you know, know, living her best life in Texas.
0: I know. Vastly different cities. But it's been fun. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's it's been a good lifestyle change for me. <laughs> Being married has been I recommended, I guess. We got a dog, so I think it's like a really nice life for me. And I didn't quite, I'd miss New York a lot, but I also love having like a closet big enough for me to sit here and record this podcast in, you know?
1: (laughs) And my room that I live in is probably the same size. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The closets here are no joke. They're just people like use them as nurseries. They're so big. So (laughs) I could say I'm living the high life, but. I'm talking to New Yorkers. So yeah.
1: Well, and then also since you've left New York, you started your own podcast, which is really good. not <laughs> yeah. this one, a separate one. No,
0: it's true. I found someone who's equally obsessed with Taylor Swift. So we started Swiftish the Taylor Swift podcast. And that's been going so well that I decided to create a network of podcasts. (laughs) And I figured I would just broaden my horizons a little. And instead of just talking Taylor, I can now talk about anything I care about, basically.
1: Yeah. We're making this very um, open-ended in the very in the open-ended. things that we can talk about. <laughs> yes. We'll probably be talking mostly about movies because we're both movie obsessed and have uh MoviePass. So like free movie movies pass, all the time. I think
0: if we like mention them enough, we'll eventually get sponsored by MoviePass and then like... they'll
1: send out one of those emails to everybody <laughs> that's like this podcast's great. You all need to listen.
0: <laughs> yes. They'll be like, can you take this survey about this podcast? <laughs> yes. Would you have listened to this without movie pass? No. I know. I look forward to that day. But for now, we're just using this as an excuse to like, you know, keep in touch talk about things that no one else really maybe cares about as much as we do? I don't know.
1: (laughs) I'm sure that there are people who care the same amount, but do they have the same, uh, you know, vigor as we do? Probably not.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think the the trouble we got into at work together is that our conversations would get so heated because we rarely agree on anything. Like I was trying to think of a time where we both Agreed on something pop culture related, and I really couldn't figure. I couldn't pick something out.
1: Yeah, we it, there's a lot of ar- arguing, especially since the um the great Taylor Swift Kim Kardashian yes. whatever thing happened.
0: Oh, those were dark days. Yeah, we're
1: working uh, together, and I. I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) I know. And you're a Kanye fan, like a super fan. Yes, yes. And I loved Kanye too. And like, so I have like a really unique, I think, (laughs) ability to like separate like the two. But during that moment in history, that iconic just horrific taylor Swift's over party Mm -hmm. i remember leaving the office multiple times and calling my then boyfriend and being like they just don't get it like they're being so hard on her
1: uh that is that's sad i think a little bit
0: (laughs) yeah well it's okay because we'll probably get a lot of that on here too so it just shows that we care you know yes that's what counts
1: yeah if you don't have opinions about things it's like what's the point you know yeah we're not just coasting
0: through life we are involved in the cultural zeitgeist of today
1: yes and the other thing i think that um that really caused issues at the workplace was that we're both so loud the number of times that i have been like shushed in the office it's like at least once a week (laughs) i
0: know I know. It was bad. It would be like passive aggressive emails like, yeah. please remember to keep your voices. <laughs> a,
1: c- a couple of weeks ago, we had like a big group staff meeting and the other people at work were like, you know, and some people have like really loud personal conversations in the office. <laughs> and, and, and we're all like, all we, know at you. we know it's you. <laughs> it's nobody else here. It's just yeah. you. <laughs> but we're going to pretend that there's multiple people doing this. <laughs>
0: That was nice of them, you know.
1: Very kind. Don't
0: point any fingers. Yeah. No, it makes sense that we found ourselves gravitating towards such a vocal and narcissistic format that the podcast offers because I think we have those voices. We we care and it shows, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It carries over even without the visual of your face just scrunching up really hard getting a little red yeah (laughs) it's
1: it's really sad that though and unfortunate that we are doing a podcast because i have like i think probably the world's most annoying voice and accent and so so, i want to apologize to the four listeners that we have right now and (laughs) just say i'm sorry that you've like Seven minutes of me talking.
0: <laughs> no, it's good. It's distinctive. So let's just like, where are you from? You know, let's get that out of the way. How can people place you?
1: I am from rural Michigan, Um, which if, if, if that didn't come across in the voice, um, I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah. And I live, you know, I grew up there, lived my like all through high school there. Then I went to rural Pennsylvania for college <laughs> where where i picked up another layer of an accent and then i moved to new york which is also a city known for its obnoxious accents. so we've really got the trifecta working here
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) well i have been told i have a weird voice too so it's okay i think it's because i grew up in texas like i lived here till i was nine and then my family moved to utah which has the most horrific accent, I guess you'd call it, where it's just a lot of drop T's and weird vowel issues. And then I moved back to Texas. So I think I'm just a mess of weird like mountain and y'all combos. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we're just we're just setting people up so that the bar is so low that they'll be impressed that we get through one of these episodes.
1: (laughs) And unlike most DJs where I feel like You you listen to their voice and think like oh That they're like probably very attractive people And then you see them in real life and are kind of disappointed I feel like we have <laughs> the opposite effect Where they're listening to us and they're like oh gosh This person must be a hot mess yeah, And then I'm actually like a normal person Yeah you know? so
0: that is such a positive great. Spin on that you're right <laughs> We are so attractive and like No one will ever know it really Because we just have this podcast So yeah. <laughs> take our word That's, for it
1: Such a loss for the people <laughs> People yeah. listening that they don't get to see my. Face. I
0: know, <laughs> but uh, I'm excited about this podcast. I think it's been a long time coming. You know, we've spitballed a few different ideas and names and thoughts, and it really just all came together just like this last month or two, basically. Yeah, and so I think. I mean, do you want to kind of run us through like how we want it to go? Or
1: yeah, so. It would be a shame if we didn't get to touch on the full litany of strange pop culture news. So we're just going to like start by kind of like going around the horn and just hitting all of the fun topics real briefly um you know like tell me something i don't know shelby and uh try to impress me with your pop culture knowledge I
0: guess. <laughs> yes i'm up for the challenge <laughs> i feel like this is exactly what we would do every day we got into work we'd just be like did you see this on buzzfeed did you read about this did you see what happened here did you watch big brother canada which the answer is always no
1: but always yes for me. And actually it's I'm really sad because we're recording this on the season premiere night of Big Brother 20 US and I'm missing it to record this. So
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. That is wow. That is dedication. And there's only 70 more
1: episodes this summer, so I'm really missing out.
0: 70?
1: Yeah, it's on three nights a week, so you know, it's what? a it's a commitment. <laughs>
0: That is crazy. Are they like live streamed? How do they churn out these episodes so quickly?
1: Well, I mean, these people are in a house in California, so you can buy live feeds and just like watch them all day, every day, which is a little excessive even for me. Um, But then, you know, they have episodes three nights a week where they, you know, tell you what is going on and what weird challenges they've done and who's like had a mental breakdown in the house. I find it very entertaining.
0: (laughs) I know you do. I've heard so much more about Big Brother than I ever wanted to, but that's okay. (laughs) So, yeah, tell me something I don't know. We'll be able to banter back and forth about things until one of us finally stumps the other. It'll probably be me.
1: Probably, (laughs)
0: I have a lot of free time at work, so...
1: (laughs) And you know all of the Bachelor, Bachelorette facts, and I don't watch that. Yes, I'm involved
0: in relevant cultural happenings, (laughs) you know? I stay on top of interesting and cool things people are still talking about instead of just Survivor Season 400 or whatever it is. How
1: dare you, how dare you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But no, and then... Once we settle that debate and figure out who's who's on top for the week, then we go into the main event the feature presentation, if you will, where we want to pick one thing that's been hot and happening, usually a movie, maybe some sort of album release or a visual album or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Or, I don't know, a TV show, a premiere, a finale.
1: If we get some awards shows, I'm sure we'll
0: be in
1: on those. The Emmys are coming up and, you know, I'm sure I'll have thoughts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We all will. But I think it'll be great because we'll be able to devote a lot of our time and attention to the major, like, (laughs) event everyone needs to know about, everyone's talking about, and everyone should see or care about. And so that's where most of our the meat of our episode will be, is this feature presentation about whatever it is we feel like going deep diving into this week.
1: And then to just kind of wrap up our episode, we're going to do a love it or hate it, where each of us gets to pick one book, TV show, podcast, movie, something that's either new or really old, and just talk about how much we love it or how much we hate it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it. I do. I think that'll be my favorite because there's things I care about that you refuse to do a full episode on, so I'll be able to sneak it in there. Still,
1: yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at you, Mission Impossible movie coming up.
0: No, that'll be a that'll be a full episode. No, for no, sure. no, 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 no. no. <laughs> don't,
1: don't make me watch it.
0: No, I <sighs> know oh, it'll be good because I think, um, like you said, we have Movie Pass that allows us, yes, just. We have really experienced mm-hmm. so many things we never would have watched otherwise. Like, I've seen so many movies that yeah. I'd never watch.
1: Yes. Oh. And I
0: think it's been really good. You know, it really rounds out my cultural tastes and really keeps mm-hmm. me in the know. Yes. You know. <laughs> yes. I think I've
1: already watched more movies this year than I did last, like, in all of last year. And because I got movie pass it for Christmas. So it's like, I've, I've just seen everything. Anything that's come out so far this year, I've seen it.
0: Yeah, you know it's bad when you're like, yeah, you're going to see, like, I Feel Pretty and
1: yep, saw that the
0: life of the party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's been good. I'm excited to be able to finally get into it because just like to whet everyone's appetite, this episode we get to talk about Jurassic World, which is exciting and is one of those that I would have seen regardless of MoviePass. But I think it left me with a better taste in my mouth than if I had shelled out. $14 to see it you know what I oh,
1: mean oh yeah
0: 100% but should we just yeah jump in to our first segment tell me something I don't yeah. know
1: um okay so you probably do already know about this but I feel like we must address the Pete Davidson Ariana oh, Grande fast yes. and furious relationship. this is
0: wild to me and I I mean it's just really i just can't wrap my head around it for a lot of reasons one of which is that i just don't know how it happened and why they moved so quickly and also how did he land ariana is that rude i don't know i just don't think he's funny <laughs> but you watch snl yes
1: yes i'm a huge snl fan not a not a huge pete davidson fan <laughs> unfortunately yeah but my question is, where did they meet each other? Like, do we know that?
0: I, thought it was, I feel like I don't know that. Didn't she just do SNL a while ago?
1: Maybe she did. Maybe that's I where they, she did. they met. Yeah,
0: and then it was just... She had just broken up with her loser boyfriend. So, like... I'm happy yeah. for her to move on, and I guess he's a step up <laughs> in, in some ways.
1: Here's the thing: on on one hand level, I'm like, oh wow, like where like I, where did this come from? Right. But on the other hand, I'm like, oh, we should have all been able to see this coming, like down the train a hundred <laughs> miles. Because one, Ariana Grande has only dated hot mess people. She dated like Mac Miller. Yeah. She dated um like who was that last guy? Yeah. All of these kind of the like. Guy. Oh, did she? Maybe she just dated him multiple times. Anyways, and then so you have that on one end of the spectrum, and then you also have Pete Davidson, who seems like a really nice guy, but like has talked multiple times about how he has, you know, like he's been to rehab, he has some mental um, illness issues. yeah. yeah, he's bipolar. Yeah, and that's
0: not to say that, you know, he got mad and like came out and was like, just because I have a mental health issue doesn't mean I'm not right. deserving of love, which is yeah. 100% true. So but true. it is interesting that one, she gravitates to these <laughs> weirdos. And two, <laughs> that they moved so fast.
1: Yeah, Well, I feel like, yeah, it speaks more to that to me, the moving fast. It's like yeah. they, he has multiple tattoos that are dedicated <laughs> to her already, which seems yeah, like two v- weeks like,
0: into their relationship. Yeah, like
1: very fast moving. And now they're engaged. I mean, yeah. hopefully this is a fantastic love story and they're married forever and good yeah. for them, but
0: <laughs> I, <honestly laughs> I am not putting I my thought, money on it. I thought it was a publicity stunt. I really did. I was like, I was like, well, maybe it'll turn out to be some sort of like social experiment where she makes a statement on how there's no privacy for celebrities or something. I was really trying to overthink it because I just can't fathom how it really happened.
1: <laughs> so I was thinking that too at one point, or maybe I read it about it somewhere. And then I was thinking, like, do we have a documented case of two people dating like for a legitimate publicity stunt? Who are celebrities? Because I feel like every time, you know, with like um, Taylor Swift and what's his face, that they were. Yeah, Yeah. that they were dating. Everyone's like, oh, publicity stunt. But do we have some place where like two celebrities dated, then came out and be like, ha, gotcha. (laughs) We weren't dating this whole time and we suckered you all.
0: You know, I don't think so. I mean, the only couple that comes to mind of being a total sham was tom cruise and katie holmes but i feel like that they had a kid but i really i know but i think it was like a crazy i think it was i like the scientology thing like i think tom cruise i don't know they have that like cw show that's inspired by their supposed story where it's like yeah what show is that (laughs) it's like about i don't remember. why am i not watching it i know it's like this guy who's this ultra celebrity. He gets into this cultish, like, we'll help your career thing. And he's, I think he might be like a closeted gay. And they're like, you need a girlfriend. We'll hold auditions. Oh my and then they find the Katie Holmes type character. I mean, it's all very like, they say, they don't say it's based on this, but it, everyone's like, oh, this is the Tom Cruise, Katie Holmes story. <laughs> and I don't know. After seeing the Scientology documentary, I sort of believe it too. And then she it was rumored that katie holmes had to sign some sort of agreement to not date anyone publicly for seven years and then right after their seven-year mark she's seen with um what's his face
1: uh, oh what's his face somebody sh-
0: sh- who's he dating I don't know. you don't know i don't follow katie holmes You don't know what who is katie holmes, is- is- is jamie katie jamie-
1: holmes been in? jamie fox what
0: jamie fox she's dating jamie fox wow this is so old news. Okay. Yeah,
1: I know. It's crazy. I think we've determined that I'm probably going to lose this segment most times.
0: I just know stupid uh. random details. But um, as far as your original <laughs> question about if anyone planned and then revealed it, I okay. don't think so. Which is interesting because we have this idea about celebrities that everything they do is fake or, or calculated in some way, which to a degree I can see is true. And like, Obviously, we don't have to get into the Taylor Swift stuff, but you can see, like, how maybe things started Mm -hmm. to happen or were controlled in a way that felt really contrived, comparing it to natural relationships. But the Pete and Ariana thing, it's just like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just old and, like, married (laughs) now, but I'm like, you're too young. Why are you doing this?
1: (laughs) I'm also like that, and I'm not married, so... (laughs)
0: yeah we're just such party poopers. Yeah, i mean yeah. they're young and in love and she's making dick jokes on twitter about it so
1: and and millions of dollars so good for her
0: yeah um <laughs> yeah.
1: so shelby tell me something i don't know
0: okay i think you might know this one but i was reading the new york times profile for kanye did you read it
1: i did not
0: oh my gosh i love kanye interviews so much Oh, yeah,
1: they're great.
0: I think this one was really good, honestly. And Kanye admits in this that he wants to be like a child. And so it's like he's aware that he's acting like a three-year-old most times, like sharing unformed thoughts and like really reacting in the moment without considering repercussions. And I think it was really interesting to read it. And I'd recommend it to you because... I don't know why you haven't read it yet, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I have loved Kanye for so long is that there's just like a genuineness about him that I feel like mm-hmm. is not necessarily present with a lot of other <laughs> musical artists. Right. It's like what whatever he is feeling, he tells you through his songs or you know through twitter or his interviews and it's like it doesn't matter if if he says one thing and then later he goes back and changes his mind like he will tell you that if multiple things you know at once and kind of sifting through things he'll say things and then you know kind of try to piece them together later i think it's just a really interesting Like method for an artist to use in this world where Mm -hmm. everything is you know like so polished you know like Beyonce and Jay-Z come out with this you know album (laughs) that's like it's like the whole thing is like put together in secret it's like you know polished 100 times over and then like presented to us as like this cultural artifact which I am also 100% in on but like I think that there's an uh, a level to Kanye that's like nobody else is doing this like honesty thing as well as is. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean is he doing it well I don't know it's like hard to say I have such complicated feelings about him mm-hmm. and his like thought process and his strange sort of privilege and how yeah. wealthy and like out of touch he's been mm-hmm. for so long but I think it is like really interesting to see how different he looks and sounds and presents himself like in something more extended like the New York Times piece than when he's just off the cuff and he has a 30 second soundbite yeah. and it's just like you can't process Kanye in that time frame mm-hmm. you know like he needs time to like ramble yes. before he circles around yes. to his place. Yes. so i thought it was interesting and it i don't know if it redeemed him from earlier comments for me but i think it contextualized it in what was a like very engaging piece to read yeah
1: oh yeah definitely
0: so I would recommend yeah. that for sure. Yeah.
1: I will I will 100% check it out. Did <laughs> you happen to read the Vanity Fair article with Johnny Depp?
0: No, I saw pieces of it, though. I just have so little. I'm just like so over Johnny Depp. Like I'm so I just like hate yeah. him. <laughs> I,
1: th- I think he's a horrible human being probably. But there was a big section of it about how he ha- like spends all of his money and how he's broke now so okay i'm looking at this he spent 75 million dollars on more than a dozen residences which like that's a lot in and of (laughs) itself but here is the best part so he spent three million dollars to shoot the ashes of his dead friend into the air with a (laughs) cannon like where is this cannon and like why does it cost three million dollars and then like in the like response to the article, Johnny Depp is like, "Oh no 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 no. It wasn't 3 million. It was actually 5 million dollars <laughs> for the ashes." I family. know.
0: I know. He's crazy. I think he like spent like millions of dollars on like air travel in one month or yes, something. This yes. is wild. He's out of control. It's crazy.
1: dollars each month on private air tra- travel and he also spent $7000 to buy a couch that's from the set of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. <laughs>
0: That's a, that's a that's a good way to spend your fortune, you know. That's a collector's item, so I can't blame him for that.
1: That's what happens when you have but too no, much money, I think.
0: Well, he doesn't have any money. That's what's wild. Is he just feels yeah. so like unapologetic about the fact that he's like in debt? It's like old school, almost like these like royals in Europe would just spend money that they didn't have, and they'd mm-hmm. just be like, "No biggie." And that's how Johnny Depp's rolling now.
1: I should live a life like that.
0: Whatever. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, put it on my tab. And they just, they do, you know? (laughs) It's crazy. What a life.
1: Uh, But I guess
0: he'll be getting money for the next 17 fantastic beasts or whatever there are. So maybe he'll dig himself out of the hole. But um, I have something I think you won't know. And this has been of interest to me for the last four hours approximately. So... Have you heard of Tana Khan? Uh-uh. This like YouTuber Tana Manjo or something. <laughs> She's like this YouTuber and YouTubers are very fascinating to oh, me yeah. because it's just like this world I don't fully understand but and I guess being on a podcast right now just listening to myself talk, I can't be mad at them, but it's just such a weirdly self-indulgent universe to <laughs> me. And so anyways, this girl, she's like 20, 21, maybe. And she was banned from VidCon, like the big YouTube convention. And she was so annoyed and bothered by this that one, she put them on blast in like a two-hour-long YouTube video oh that had like millions of hits. Like people sat down and watched this, and they were <laughs> definitely only watching so like five
1: minutes till it gets to that <laughs> mark where it's like, "Dang, this counts as a view." And then they were like, eh, "No, nope, I'm out." Tldr, I know.
0: so she was like, "They banned me, so you know what? Screw them. I'm gonna host my own convention the same weekend." <laughs> And so she put together this TanaCon and it just was a total disaster. And people are like calling it like fire levels, like fire festival levels bad because like people showed up and they waited like six hours in line outside of this Marriott Hotel or something. And parents ended up calling the cops because their kids were getting sunburned. Oh my gosh. And they were like, you need to go check this out. And so they had to shut the whole festival down. And like Tana was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like 15,000 of you guys showed up without tickets and we were only expecting like 5,000, which sounds like a little fishy to me because I just don't, I don't believe it. Like someone with millions of subscribers, like not anticipating this. So she's just like refused accountability for it. And she's being dragged all over social media. And I just spent like all afternoon just watching her videos (laughs) i know i that it worked for her like i i watched like seven videos i swear and they're not short these people talk for like 40 minutes
1: oh yeah oh yeah youtubers like and they talk about like the most random crap they and they'll have like one catchy thing that they're talking about and they'll like put that as the title and then the whole rest of it is crap yeah
0: matthew you have no idea she posted like this story is so scary. You've been warned. And so I like listen to this 40 minute spiel where she describes having, uh, what's it called when you, when you twins, you have this like sleep, you know, you sleep, but you're like frozen and you're like conscious still, but you're
1: uh, sleepwalking.
0: <laughs> what's that called? No, it's, um,
1: a night terror. Uh... Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's something like that. It's where you just like. You're conscious, but your body's frozen and you can't like do anything. And so you're sort of like stuck in a dream. She
1: has that.
0: Yeah, so she has that and she was describing That sounds
1: like made bait. up to me <laughs> She
0: was describing being visited by a demon girl Oh, okay,
1: <laughs> yeah BS
0: I don't know, man, it felt real She was no. really into it
1: no. You gotta get off <laughs> YouTube, Shelby This is too much
0: I'm too far gone uh. I'll probably check in on it tomorrow too
1: <laughs> Oh my gosh you, Like, I would say that you need to get a hobby But you already have like eight hobbies So I
0: know, <laughs> it's a problem but um, do you have something you think I don't know?
1: Um, I mean, I have a whole list of random pop culture events here. Yeah, I'm very well prepared. Yeah, let's do
0: it, rapid fire. I want to see.
1: Okay, let's see. So, did you know that um, Demi Lovato is not sober anymore?
0: Yes, I'm so sad about it. I think she's so problematic for like reasons beyond that, obviously. But like, Mm -hmm. I still, I was so sad when I heard that because I watched her like (laughs) again. I was on YouTube and I watched her like 30 minute YouTube like documentary. Where she talked about being clean and like being what happened and when she punched her, her backup dancer and stuff. And so I was like attached to her story. And so I was pretty sad for her. That's that's rough.
1: My takeaway from this is just that you will watch anything on YouTube is basically what I'm gathering from this conversation. I have
0: too much free time at work. That's the problem.
1: Um. Well, I mean, I have lots of other things, but they are not nearly as exciting as the disastrous Tanacon, whatever that is, yes. and the night, and the fake night terrors. So maybe let's move on to a <laughs> an actual day terror, which was me watching Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom.
0: Jurassic World. I know. I know. I I have such a... Uh, I, okay. So one thing everyone knows about me is I love. Jurassic Park like it is my top number one film of all time I watch it like multiple times a year I quote it all the time I love Jurassic Park I love the book I love everything about it and I think it's such a national treasure so there is a part of me that's naturally attached to the Jurassic Park franchise but this one was really really hard for me
1: yeah i feel like the first movie is so good i remember watching it like as a kid and it would and it scared the bejesus yeah. out of me and then you know watching it like again as an adult i feel like it really still holds up there's just so many great aspects to it and you know like score is amazing it has like such a good
0: cast yes the script everything's so thoughtful yeah. and it's like that's what's great about it is like they took it seriously in a way that the sequels have just like totally given up because what set Jurassic park apart was like, it's exciting, new and really thoughtful. Like it's like, it's like you're sitting here watching these guys have conversations around a lunch table for 20 minutes, and you're not seeing a dinosaur for dinosaur for the first hour of the movie. Mm-hmm. But you're still like so into it. And then the takeaway for studio execs was, "Wow, people love dinosaurs. Let's just throw them in," you know. And so it's just become this like mess. Yeah. And the first
1: <laughs> total. Mess. And the first movie also was like successful in a variety of different ways so number one it grossed over 914 million dollars worldwide off of only a 63 million dollar budget which is like an insanely large amount of money and this is back in 1993 when this movie comes out also it wins three oscars which i feel like
0: it did. Yes. It won an Oscar for
1: sound editing, sound mixing, and visual effects. So, granted, like not not your like top tier Oscars, but still, like three Oscars.
0: No, it's deserving. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: so good on them. And then they come back in 1997 with the Lost World: Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have thoughts on
0: that? Which, okay. Yes. So. This is the thing, too, and I can't tell if it's because the newest version, the Jurassic Worlds, have been so bad that, like, looking back, the sequels of, like, 97, 99 are just, like, really good by comparison. Mm -hmm. But I've always had a soft spot for The Lost World up until, you know, the whole San Diego moment. I thought it was an okay movie. Like, it was good and interesting, and Ian Malcolm has my heart forever and always. (laughs) And... I think it was like again a compelling story and like the characters were so interesting and you had the annoying little girl there and I just love everything about it. But it isn't as good as yeah. Jurassic Park.
1: Well, I mean it's it's also directed by Steven Spielberg who directed the original. So I mean yeah. you still have some hold over there. Yeah. The cast is mostly new people, but Um, this was nominated for an oscar it was it was made on a 73 million dollar budget and grosses 618 million dollars so like still like very (laughs) successful um yeah and i think people didn't like the san diego part at the end but i think they liked you know kind (laughs) of it has like a darker feel than the original it it like works in some ways
0: Right. And it was so interesting because, so I wrote my senior thesis on Jurassic Park. (laughs) I like literally studied it, but, um, Jurassic Park was like written originally as a response to like the real biomedical field of like DNA and all this cloning stuff that was happening. And so it was interesting to then watch Jurassic Park in that context and then to see The Lost World, which is very like, on the nose about like animal rights and like environmental issues and like Mm -hmm. you know it's literally about like these guys who need to save the animals and so it's interesting that that really played into the culture of the time too and so you could tell that steven spielberg was like interested not just in the splashy context of like a dinosaur loose in san diego but he still like was trying to say something larger i think the point got lost because it was like a little much to see what's his face like (laughs) pretending to be some crazy (laughs) animal activist (sighs) what was his name i always forget who's in it um he surprises Vince me. Vaughan? It's like the weirdest. Yes, yes. Vince Vaughn's yes. freaking Vince in, lost is in the world. Lost world. These you. movies
1: are just like a like a battleground of like bizarre actors who you forgot were in them because then because then Jurassic Park three comes out in two thousand one and it's not directed yes. by Steven Spielberg. It's directed by Joe no. Johnston, who directed. The very clear corresponding movie here, "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids." Like, obviously, that was the <laughs> tr- he directed that. We're giving him a Jurassic Park movie, yeah. um, and that and that has William H. Macy in it, which I feel like is also a random like person to be in a movie.
0: Yeah, well, and it has um, who's the girl? Tia um, T-ia. yeah, I love her. Yeah. She's been in a lot of TV stuff since yes. then. Yeah. So. It's fun Sam to Meals see her there. The third one. Oh yeah. I know. So the third one is just like where it really goes off the rails into campy territory. There's like literally a dream dream sequence where Raptor is talking to <laughs> Dr. Grant. But it's still again like I watch it like once every six years, maybe. And <laughs> I'm still like, oh, you know, that wasn't as bad as I remember. I'm still engaged by it, you yeah. know? <laughs>
1: How often are you going to watch Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom? <laughs> How many years in between viewings?
0: So, this is the problem is that. Jurassic World, the the one that came out a couple of years ago, the first yes. of the new one.
1: Yes, twenty.
0: I was really excited by, like, I thought it was such a great reset because it was like, oh, they actually did make the park. And I was so stoked about it. I, like, went opening night. Like, it was a huge deal. I went, like, two times in that weekend. And I was on board during it. I felt so nostalgic. And it was just like how interesting to think of how the park would take off and then how it would spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. And so I was, like, really into it. But then, you know, you leave the nostalgia behind and you realize, like, it's not a good movie. Like, it's not. Yeah, It's a mess. It's a hot mess. And they really, like, screwed up a lot that I think could have made the second one more interesting. But instead, by the end, it's just this, like, mess. You have, like the military angle of the raptors and you have dr wu escaping so you know he'll come up and then you have this weird relationship between the leads and there's just like you knew the sequel to jurassic world would not be good (laughs) like you just knew no one no one thought it'd be good i don't know And
1: and i think part of this also comes off of the fact that like people in their mind think oh Jurassic World was like you know like they made the original three Jurassic Park movies like they were done with it and then somebody like in the early 2010s had this idea of like oh maybe we should make a Jurassic Park like reboot but actually this was like supposed to be jurassic park four that got pushed back like multiple multiple times and there was like a million drafts of the script and people were like throwing things together this person's gonna direct this person's gonna you know act in it like i have a list of the random people um who were supposedly going to star in jurassic world um which i don't know if you've heard of these people tell me if you think they would be better or worse than chris pratt (laughs) and bryce dallas howard so, originally, yeah. it was supposed to be Kira Knightley as the main female.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah,
1: which seems very odd casting to me.
0: I can't picture it, but maybe.
1: <laughs> then I think, like, off of the um, Phantom of the Opera fame, they were going to have J- Emmy Rossum be in it. And then also Jeremy Piven, who was in the Entourage at the time, who I think has been...
0: successfully
1: me too. since then.
0: Yeah, Uh, (laughs) he's on the out. Then they were
1: going to get David Boreanaz from Bones to star in it, so that tells you about the time time that that decision-making process was going on.
0: No, that's sexy. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) I liked Bones. I could see that.
1: And then they were like, oh, maybe we'll just bring back Laura Dern. So then she was supposed to come back at one point, but alas no
0: oh that's too bad okay that's fair she deserves a happy ending she got it in the Jurassic Park 3 you know she has her baby and her family so it's good so this
1: so this franchise has been like really a hot mess for like a couple decades now and we had
0: well and then they bring in Colin Trevorrow who had done nothing nothing. he didn't he just done this indie film safety not guaranteed Mm -hmm. which was like sci-fi i guess in a technical term but it was not big budget it was not like action so it was a really interesting directorial choice and i don't i don't know if he he's the reason it doesn't work but i think he's part of the reason But
1: miraculously (laughs) despite the fact that like the movie i think is terrible like when me and my sister went and saw it back in theaters whenever that was and we're like hate watching it the whole time like like it was it was a disaster but it still made over 1.6 billion dollars it's the fifth highest grossing movie of all time which is which is like (laughs) miraculous (laughs) to me
0: Well, you're a hater, Matthew, but it's like, it makes sense because it was a long time coming. It was like nostalgia induced and it it was like semi-magical to just like go back to the theaters and you sit down and there's just big dinosaurs and it's like the park actually happened and it's just, that's what was so magical for me was like, Before they introduced Indominus Rex and, like, Bryce Dallas Howard started talking and running in heels, it was like the concept was enough to get people excited about it. And so it's like an easy buck to make, I think. And that's – they just got so lazy because they realized – no one cares about the story anymore they just want splashy dinosaur scenes yeah 100
1: yeah, percent. and i'll say that like i was excited i had the nostalgia when i went in to see it it was just like about yeah 10 minutes into the movie when i was like oh <laughs> maybe this one isn't as good as the original i know but, but i was all there for like you know t-rex and the score is going yeah that's like the level of nostalgia there, like 90s nostalgia for us millennials is just, you know, give it to me like over and over again. So I will. potent. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like any remake of anything from the 90s and I will be there.
0: <laughs> I know. And then it was just like, I don't know why they made the choices they did. Namely making the, I guess what was frustrating was the crisp. Pratt character because mm-hmm. like I'm a Chris Pratt fan and I think he did really well in Guardians of the Galaxy. I think he's so good in it. But here it was like he was trying to be like the action dude. Mm-hmm. So he would just make that smolder constantly. And it was just like very one note Chris Pratt. And there was no like like he's usually so dynamic and like interesting. And like in Parks and Rec, you see like he has great comedic timing and like, I don't know, there's like a really unique style to him but here it was like smothered so that he would look like the serious guy who had no fun and hated his love interest you know yeah
1: well he's he's a comedic actor i feel like first and foremost like he's not the hot person in parks and rec he's like this schlubby guy like who's like the living off of his girlfriend he's like the deadbeat boyfriend yeah and in (laughs) galaxy which is such like such a successful franchise he is also very funny like i hated the avengers movie and the only part of that whole thing (laughs) that i liked was i was like oh he is like very entertaining as this character
0: no he is
1: and in this movie there's nothing no humor at all
0: i did you feel like he got better in fallen kingdom no really because i really did i was like the instant they were sitting down at the at the like bar I was like oh he's loosened up he's not trying to be as cool anymore like he's a little bit more on like the goofy jokey side and he wasn't like oh this is so serious you know (laughs) I don't know how to describe it I was just like he took like two steps forward for me
1: I mean maybe he did take two steps forward but the starting line was like so (laughs) far away that like it didn't really matter he he did have that line where they're like in the Hunker or whatever and he says like oh if I die it's your fault and like <laughs> yeah. I thought oh this is kind of funny but yeah,
0: he's got that charm he got that twinkle in his eye it was like oh he relaxed is I what I felt
1: hell that like this movie was not relying on him as the comedic relief oh I know because I felt like I mean I thought that the best part of this movie, and maybe we'll disagree, was the Justice Smith character. He is like the nerdy the scientist movie? guy, yeah, like the hacker. No, I, thought, I was like he no. was the only person in this movie that is entertaining at all. When he what? was on for the whole middle <laughs> section, I was like, bring him back. Like everybody else is such dry. Like
0: his like main line was, "It's hot." Like that's what he said. He was putting on
1: the on the bug spray. He was <laughs> screaming like a crazy person. He like yeah, that I felt like I felt like he was um like he was the he was the only character in this who I feel like who was interesting or entertaining at all. The I was talking with With my roommate about the movie after I saw it And I said it this movie Felt to me like someone watched Jurassic World and They were like okay you have 10 minutes to come Up with the script for what you think the next (laughs) movie Is gonna be and that, And then that's literally the only all the Thought that they put into it like there was not One thing in this movie that I thought was You know like super fascinating Or like went against The grain it was very like oh and Obviously we're going to have like a mean Military person and obviously Obviously, we're going to have a mad scientist and obviously we're going to have, you know, (laughs) like a random little kid running around because it's a Jurassic Park movie. Like there was like nothing new or invigorating. It
0: was really, yeah, it was really ill planned, ill conceived, like ill done. But I think what was interesting about this one was my hopes were so high for Jurassic World 1 and it was like nostalgic enough that I was satisfied But Fallen Kingdom just, like, destroyed my hope completely, even before I saw the movie, because their marketing situation was the worst I've seen in recent years. Like, it just, it was bonkers. I hated it. Oh, my gosh. I can't even, like, start talking about it without shaking, because it was a mess. Like, first of all, the thing that bothered me the most, and I'm going to rant about this, was that they had a trailer to announce their trailer, And then they tease the trailer for the trailer for the trailer. (laughs) Oh, we're just going to like market the hell out of this. And that's all the work we need to do. And so they didn't care about making a good movie. They cared about making a good marketing scheme, but it didn't work because it just oversaturated everything. Like I walked into that movie knowing exactly what was going to happen. Literally nothing surprised me because their trailers revealed the movie from start to finish. You saw the island explode. You saw the dinosaurs get taken off the island. You saw that there was a new dinosaur. You saw that they were auctioning the dinosaur and that the dinosaur got out and it found the little girl in the room. You saw the dinosaur fighting off the raptor and you saw the raptor like basically win the movie. And it was just like, why did they do this? Like, did you feel over saturated by the jurassic world fallen kingdom promos or was it just me i mean
1: so i'm sure that you were like looking for this much more than i was Mm -hmm. so i'm sure that like when the teaser to the teaser to the teaser came out you were like oh let me watch this (laughs) where i like probably didn't even register i'll say this so like i guess maybe let's kind of just talk through the movie like you know, from start to finish. But I feel like this was a really hard movie to sell people on because the first act of the movie is all about, Oh, all of these dinosaurs are on the Island where there's a volcano and all of the dinosaurs are going to die. So you have this like really sort of like depressing beginning to the movie where i know okay we can save some of these dinosaurs but like only a couple the rest are gonna die and the big
0: and here's the thing they're all females they can't breed they're gonna die off within a generation like why is the state why is the u.s senate getting involved on like a (laughs) single like happy 20 years for these dinosaurs like that's immediately my first thought was like what are you guys saving like they're going to die in 10 to 15 years or however long dinosaurs live you know i mean
1: i have no idea if they were boys or girls or whatever but my that's like a whole. but thing. my thought was like we'll just make some more like you clearly like right they yeah have like resume. you have all the formulas <laughs> so i don't understand why you're so upset but yeah. it's like the first like i remember watching the trade the i i don't know which version of the teaser or the trailer or the whatever yeah, it was that i watched real- but where you know they're like running down the hill which i feel like is this we've seen a million times there's like smoke and lava and they all and they're in that little bubble Mm -hmm. car thing and it goes in the water and you see these like huge dinosaurs like swimming but you know that they're gonna drown because they can't swim because they weigh so much and I just remember watching that trailer and thinking like oh my gosh I feel so bad for these dinosaurs like like this is not a trailer that makes me like excited to go see a movie because it looks so sad and really Uh, that's the first like hour of the movie is this plot line. And so if you're not going to sell the movie off of that, then you have to start picking things from the second half of the movie. If you, and at that point it's like, well then what part of the movie is not in the trailer because you're pulling things from like near the
0: end. Yeah, no, it was like, it was just such a bad story. And like, it is true. Like, it's just like, first of all, this total bastardization of, The Lost World. I mean, it's literally the same storyline. And it's just done in such a way that it makes The Lost World look like the best film ever made. Because The Fallen Kingdom, you're right. It's like, it's such a mess to begin with. You have this like ill-conceived like plan of some unknown person stealing a bone from a dinosaur in the water. And so it's like, why is that their method? They open the gate even though they have a helicopter and they open the gate, they go in, they don't close the gate. They open it, they go in, they go down to the bottom of the floor. They saw off this like bone, let it float to the top. Instead of like carrying it themselves or whatever they could have done. And then you have ground people on the, you have people on the ground who like pick up this, (laughs) this bone. It's just like a mess. And then the guy is like on an island full of dinosaurs and people start yelling at him. And he's like, what are you yelling? Why are you yelling at me? it's like well dude like figure it out you know it was just like i felt nothing watching him die because i thought he deserved it you know like that's how dumb he was (laughs) i'm like
1: i actually liked the opening only because i was like oh clearly all of these people are getting eaten like (laughs) like let's just wait like when he's like is there a dinosaur behind me oh oh no it's let me run i was like yes get him eat him and then the fact that what he's like hanging off of the helicopter and he gets eaten by that giant fish that
0: was a great that was a great moment
1: i was like i don't know what what is going on here but this (laughs) is like a level of carnage that i am excited for
0: yeah but it was just getting started because it kept that carnage kept coming and it came hard you know it was like
1: Well it did but it didn't because we start With that scene but then we move Into this very bizarre opening Where we have Jeff Goldblum in like His smallest film role ever Like basically just doing a monologue at a desk And then we have a very Strange scene where Bryce Dallas Howard is like uh, (laughs) Like a political lobbyist or Something and she's like calling people and It's like save the dinosaurs and she has This line where she's like do you want your Kids to watch the dinosaurs go again like do you want this on and your it shoulders? and the senator's like you have my support
0: right but it's also like it's like the senate hearing is happening right then so who is she calling and what are they gonna do like i did not understand the timeline of this film <laughs> or how did she this like this girl this woman who caused an insane level of disaster they were like oh 900 million in damages was." Spent on these people and it's like she's she has to be like cast out like she's did a horrible job at her job like she should be she should be like serving starbucks you know she shouldn't be like having some cool loft like lobbying experience where she has people working for her and i was just very confused by that character change because in the first one she's very like ambivalent about dinosaurs and she's like i don't care whatever And, like, I get that by the end, she's sort of like, yeah, she's sort of like, wow, dinosaurs are cool. But it seems very strange for her to suddenly be, like, teary-eyed at the idea of these dinosaurs that, again, are going to die because they can't reproduce, that she's now sad that they're going to die a few years sooner than people thought.
1: Uh, I know. It's such a... it, it, It makes no sense. And then you move into this next section where... It's like she gets the call and she goes to this old man's house, and I'm sitting there watching. Like, okay, I've seen the original. I haven't seen two and three in a while. Like, is that like who is this old guy? Is he like was he somebody else in another movie and now he's no. old? I was like, is this supposed to be like the Sam Neill character? But I just can't remember. Like,
0: I had no idea who
1: this was, and I spent the whole movie trying to no, figure I it out. It was
0: so confusing. Like, do you know who it is? Yeah, and they were like. No, no, he's nobody. They just made him up. Oh. They just whipped him up out of thin air. He has no context in the like canon of Jurassic Park. Like he's just this n- totally random character. And it was so dumb to watch their exchange because it just felt again so like forced and contrived and she's all like, "Oh yes, the dinosaurs are so magical. We have to save them." And it's just like, "Well, why first of all because it was a business and it was like
1: and you can make new ones
0: (laughs) yeah they're not like important to the ecosystem or something and they've proven to be very dangerous so it seems like the lesson from the last one would be like maybe we shouldn't have dinosaurs on the planet instead of we should save all the dinosaurs so they stay on the planet. Or but... just
1: like, just keep the 10 good dinosaurs. It's like, like <laughs> right. keep the brontosaurus. Just
0: make the herbivores. Keep the, the, yeah.
1: the, the three horn. Now I'm going into like, land before time. <laughs> like, keep the big mouth, keep the one with the shell on its back. But like, maybe just like, exactly. not keep the raptor and then the genetically mutated raptors that you've also created.
0: Yeah, no, it was very weird. And especially given the context of the end of the film. this entire setup just makes zero sense to me like the the main guy the like i don't remember his character's name but the youngish dude who's like oh i've lost all my (laughs) sense of wonder he's like i have to send you on this mission to save the dinosaurs and then it turns out to be business guy yeah it's like yes i have problems with this timeline of this movie because it's like okay so obviously they've known the volcano has been active i don't know how much of a warning a volcano gives you, but whatever. But you had enough time to call, you had enough time to call a Senate hearing and the Senate hearing was happening. And so they all know this, but then they wait last minute until the Senate hearing is over for him to call her in and was like, we're going to rescue some of these in like a, in like a you know black ops situation yes and we need your handprint like we need you to come oh yeah i forgot about that yeah (laughs) and he's like you only have a day to do it so she drives out to the middle of nowhere to get her ex-boyfriend he's like i'll be on the plane maybe and then they end up flying to costa rica from california getting there there's already an operation going down where half the dinosaurs are already caught And then they they go in and they get the they get her handprint so that they can find so they can turn on this tracker for the raptor that he's like once (laughs) you won't be able to track them very well because the they know you from a mile away so what they actually needed was just Chris Pratt's character because he went out and was able to approach the dinosaur without needing the tracker so much right but for some reason they all have to be on this and then. It's just like, I just am so confused because the volcano goes off almost immediately upon their arriving. And it's like, why did you wait till the last minute if this was an right. illegal operation anyways?
1: Yeah. Well, you figure out that the whole thing is basically just a around to get the raptor because they have yeah. all the rest of the dinosaurs. <laughs> they just need the raptor. And apparently the raptor can smell you from 100 miles away. So they need Chris Pratt in order to save the raptor. However... When they get to the raptor or when Chris Pratt gets to blue the raptor, everybody else sneaks up on the raptor and shoots him anyway. So he doesn't have that good of a sense of smell.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think at this
1: point... That's true. Though we move into really the only section of the movie that I thought was interesting, which is this like, oh, really? kind of like volcano um, set piece that they have going on at the end of Act 1 where like, one, there's not very many volcano movies so I think that that like premise <laughs> is just interesting in and it. of itself. Yeah, Yeah. And then... You also have, I think, this really, like, poignant moment of these dinosaurs that are running for their lives, that are, you know that they're going to die, but they're trying to, like,
0: escape. I know. It did make me more sad than I thought it would. There was, like, an
1: emotional, like oomph to it that they did not use correctly in the movie at all but (laughs) it was very beautiful and I think especially there's this scene where once all of the human characters have like escaped the island they're all in this boat and the boat is driving away they're looking back at the dock and the whole island is in flame and it's smoky and you see this like silhouette of a like a brontosaurus like the the beautiful like long neck dinosaur like kind of like flailing around in the flames and like dying and i was just, like so moved at that part i was like this is such a beautiful <laughs> shot the music cuz it's michael it's michael Giacchino from lost who's doing the, the yes. score it's like the music's so good like this is just a gorgeous like scene and they could have done so much with it and instead We move on to weird bull riding, the sleeping (laughs) T-Rex scene.
0: No, that's what was so crazy. It's like, clearly, this movie cares most about the dinosaurs. Like, that's what they focus on. It's the interesting shots. It's like the idea that these dinosaurs exist and they make messes and they're dinosaurs but it was weird like how tonally different that was from the rest of the film because to me it was so jarring that it was almost like like my my I went with my husband and some friends and they all laughed during that part and I was sort of like oh the poor animals because I'm just like you know I'm a weepy like dog lover and I just get weird about animals dying sue me but so it like worked on me but then I was like wait why are they wasting like this they're really milking this one scene and they care about it so much you can tell that he just wanted to have this shot you know he was like this is what we need in this movie he almost built it all around it he was like how do we get here and so it just felt sort of like well why didn't you put that much thought into the rest of the movie because it's just a disaster like it's just a mess
1: Yeah, and we move, so then we move into this section of the movie where they're kind of, like, in transport.
0: They're on the boat, yeah. Yeah. They're
1: on a boat, (laughs) they're, like, in a car, on a boat. For some reason, the raptor is, like, hemorrhaging blood, so they need to get a blood transfusion from the Tyrannosaurus Rex to save the raptor. So Bryce Dallas Howard has to, like, get up on top of a sleeping T-Rex and, like, like shove this, like, um... I don't know, like valve in its neck to try yeah, like siphon the blood off. And there's a whole shenanigans around that.
0: (laughs) Well, again, you can tell that that's what these people cared about. That's what the director, the writer, whoever was like, how funny would it be if she ends up riding the T-Rex? So they're just like, oh, let's stick that in somewhere. We can make it all fit. Mm -hmm. And so it turns into this jigsaw puzzle, like where they're just like, I want this visual. I want this moment. I want this. And they try to make it work. Like I uh, was reading this interview with the director or maybe it was a podcast or something, but he was talking about how he wanted to make a haunted house film with dinosaurs. And it's like, well, you spent two hours, like an hour and a half before you got to the house. So it's just like, you clearly just were trying to fill the gaps in a way that did not work. And it really showed Yeah, because it was just like, there were these little vignettes of moments where it's like you have the island you have the boat which <laughs> by the way the best part of the boat was this doctor lady pulling out the bullet and just being like she'll be fine yeah and it's like well actually i think you still have a lot of repairing to do if she's hemorrhaging yeah. and like you'll have to sew her up you know like what does this signify really but uh, that's me being nitpicky no no
1: no <laughs> yes the the whole movie is just riddled with these inconsistencies
0: <laughs> just like you're just like wait what you're like what because at the same time you're realizing that the the main guy is actually bad and that he's he's lied to his rich like <laughs> i don't know what their relationship is his boss that he lives with and takes care of right. his daughter with. And it's like, you find out that they've actually planned this whole thing so that they can sell the dinosaurs to get, quote unquote, seed funding to develop a military weapon called the Indoraptor. <laughs> which is
1: just the dumbest name the whole, like business mechanics of this movie are very confusing yeah you have, oh like, my gosh i this know older man who is played by james cromwell who is like in charge of the jurassic world but then there's like a younger guy who's actually running the operation but then there's like a business person there, there's it's so confusing and there's also like this they've hired like a mercenary who's in charge of getting the dinosaurs <laughs> yeah. off the island who they initially
0: who's obsessed yeah. with teeth he needs his teeth for his necklace it'll come up later yeah. kids he's obsessed <laughs> with
1: these teeth and also he is one of those actors who only plays bad guys in movies so yeah. the moment he shows up and he's like I'm a friendly uh you know neighborhood army person you're like no you're the bad guy like we know this <laughs> because you've only played the bad yeah. guy in movies
0: right i know And it was just like, they introduced this idea that they, I was under the impression, which I knew was wrong because I saw the trailer, but that they needed to create the dinosaur by getting the money that they would make from selling the other dinosaurs. Am I wrong? Like, that's what they said is he's like, the guy's like, oh, a million dollars is like a bad Tuesday for me. And he's like, well what about a hundred yeah. million? <laughs> and so he's like, he's presenting this idea that he knows selling the like normal dinosaurs is some cheap change. He's like, no big deal. We just need to get the ball rolling so that we can create this monster that we can then militarize and make a millions and millions of dollars. Right. I mean, maybe he just like lost sight of that plan or like he got caught up in like actually realizing like $20 million is a lot. I don't know. But like, just from the beginning, you know this guy it's just a mess. Well, they, that's all I can say. <laughs> So they
1: have this Indoraptor, which is this crazy dinosaur that's a combination of like a raptor and
0: an Indominus Rex from yes, the an
1: Indominus Rex. Yeah, from the first Jurassic World movie that like uh, can track people and has all of these different you know skill sets. And so they have a prototype version of it, and I think that they're planning on like selling the the peaceful dinosaurs right to then get money to make more of this indoraptor so that they can sell them but when you get to the auction part of the movie people are like oh i want this one and so they're like we'll sell the prototype <laughs> yeah.
0: they're like why not <laughs> which is really dumb because like the um I, Henry Wu, who Dr. Wu points out, he's like, wait, then other people will be able to copy our work. And he's like, I don't care. It's $20 yes. million. Dollars. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's just like very short-sighted on their part. And it doesn't it doesn't make sense why they like brought him out. It just, it all is just, I hate it. It was just very, I spent the whole movie laughing. I really did. <laughs> it was really- to everyone else in the theater but i couldn't help myself but before we even
1: get to the auction part there's this whole plot line involving the elderly man who lives in this house who <laughs> yeah. is like on bed rest but who has a random granddaughter running yeah. around and this is this was by far my least favorite part of the movie was this whole plot involving the granddaughter so there have been kids in all of the other Jurassic Park movies so you like know that they're going to have to try to shoehorn a child into this some way shape or form but it ends up being this granddaughter who lives at the mansion where this auction is going to take place and she is like running around the house free range like one there has never been a house that has had more like dumbwaiters and secret tunnels <laughs> and vents they're, they're like she's getting around yeah. all over the place but she r- realizes what the business man downstairs is going to do with these dinosaurs and sell them. So she goes up and tells her elderly grandfather and then the elderly grandfather confronts his business partner who then just like murders him on the spot.
0: (laughs) I know, dark, dark and twisted. It was really just again so lazy. It's like you have the trappings here to be interesting but it was just like haphazard. It's like oh we have to get to the next point really fast so we'll just brush over this. Like it's like there's no attention to detail there's no like emotion that you got on the island watching the dinosaur die for like 5 minutes you're just looking at the silhouette mm-hmm. like they clearly cared about that and then here you're like rushing from from point a to point b in like such right. a way that you don't even care that this guy just straight up smothered an old yes. man to death like you can't you have no time to because it's on to like the next crazy brainless scheme
1: yes. and as the as the old man is being smothered Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt are, like, being locked in a dinosaur dungeon in the basement with the other dinosaurs. And Chris Pratt uses, like, one of the skull-headed dinosaurs who's, like, in the cage next door yes. to help them, like, break out. He keeps, like, whistling or snapping his fingers and this dinosaur is, like, break, like busting in the wall.
0: It would work. That's a real-life plan. That's, that's quick on your f- thinking, you know? And I loved that part in the, like, when they're in prison because it's like meant to be the emotional crux of these characters' journey. Because I was reading, (laughs) yes, I was reading like an interview with Bryce Dallas Howard and she's like, well, in the first one, you really see like my character really realized, like, she has to come to terms with, like, her relationship to these creatures. And here in this movie, it's, like, suddenly all on Chris Pratt. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I realized what I think they were trying to do was give him some sort of crisis of faith where he felt responsible for this mishap and, like, his relationship with Blue. He's like,
1: mm-hmm. why did
0: I think this is a good idea? And, like, did I change the course of history by, like, doing something so unnatural, and all these men are now going to, like, profit from this in a military fashion, which is like, yeah, Chris, you were hired by, like, a business to train dinosaurs to respond to humans. Like, what did you expect, man? And it's like, so in this in this prison cell, he's like, oh, it's my fault. Like, I'm bad. And Bryce Dallas Howard is like, no, like, these dinosaurs, like, Blue's so lucky to have you, basically. <laughs> and that's, like, his motivation to, like, carry onward, you know? It's like, he's like, okay, yeah, I have to do this for Blue, basically. I have to, like, stop this from happening. I have to, like, take responsibility and, like, save the dinosaurs.
1: Which he does. <laughs> and I was
0: just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's just like, again, there was no, like, care given to these characters so that we didn't end up caring about him. I had no... Attachment to anyone in this oh, film, yeah. oh, including no. the little girl. It was just like
1: Especially the little girl. <laughs> yeah. I was like, please kill her off. And they didn't.
0: <laughs> they didn't. But, yeah, yeah.
1: I was wishing. I mean, like, you know they're not gonna kill the kid, which is part of the annoying reason of having a kid in a movie. It's like well, right. they can't die, so it makes it less interesting. But so so they do escape the prison cell and Chris yeah. Pratt lets loose this like boneheaded dinosaur into the room where the auction is going on.
0: Yeah, which was a bad idea because he knew the Indoraptor was there. He knew he had to stop the Indoraptor. He decides mass chaos is like the best way to do that, I guess. So, which,
1: really it should have worked because they, you know, they set the the bone-headed guy free in the room. Everybody's running for their lives. They're like, "Oh my gosh, dinosaurs on the loose." And it would have worked out fine. Except for the fact that the, like, mercenary who's collecting dinosaur teeth is like, ugh, well, look at this unattended Indoraptor in the middle of the room. Let me shoot one tranquilizer dart into him. Then I'll open the gate and go in and yank out a tooth. Well, this is clearly a horrible mistake.
0: It's like a direct, like... It steals this scene from The Lost World where you have the, like, hardcore military guy who's only there because he wants, like, to hunt a T-Rex. And so in Lost World, you have this guy and the sniveling, like, employer who's like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to collect my fee. And then in this movie, this guy walks into the auction room. He's like, hey, Mr. So-and-so, I'm here to collect my fee. And then, and then he sees the dinosaur and he's like, oh, I need my prize. And it's just like, if you're going to like have nods to this, like at least own up to the fact that you're literally stealing this like scene for scene almost from The Lost World. Like it's just, they were so lazy about it. Well,
1: surprise, surprise. The dinosaur is not tranquilized. The Indoraptor uh, gets up and rips this man's arm off. And then I think that eats his face.
0: It was gruesome. I was kind of into it. Yeah, no, it was so messed up like it was very like not it was like very graphic in like a surprising yeah, way for, a PG for this 13 like family movie pg-13 little orphan movie. girl
1: running around the house
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like i think they got away with it because there's no blood miraculously but it's like he literally chops off yeah. the arm and it's just like eyeing him for a minute there's really going like for no space. blood in
1: this whole movie which is again a disappointing factor
0: No, because then the Indorex gets out. He has a whole scene eating the snivelly, like, auctioneer in the elevator. And then it turns into the haunted house, I guess, where this little girl is trying to avoid being eaten by the Indorex. So she runs to her room and hides on top of her bed <laughs> just under the covers yeah. it's like come on girlfriend you could try harder than that
1: this is where i really got annoyed with you know these like plot issues that don't make sense so early in the movie we're told that the raptor can smell anything for a hundred miles
0: right then yeah
1: we have this indoraptor like fakes dead eats a person then uses its tail to reverse an elevator eats the people in the elevator and now is like on a manhunt. <laughs> Wait, I didn't
0: even realize that's what he did.
1: Yes, they're in the, <laughs> the elevator. The button, the doors are closed. It like swings its tail around, hits the button, and the doors open. And then it's like ha ha ha. I'm I guess eat I thought you. it
0: was just like accidental. I thought it was like he just turned around and his heavy tail broke it. Or I something. Mean,
1: oh maybe it's an accident. But it seemed th- they were playing off that this dinosaur is very no, that's intelligent. True.
0: He's intelligent, and yeah. yet.
1: Once we get to the part where it's trying to eat the girl and then by extension Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, it like cannot <laughs> get its act together. It's like in this big room with like some dinosaur statues and they're like hiding behind one of them. And he's like, where, where is the people? I can't smell them. Like, like
0: I think it just likes playing with its food, Matthew. Like, it's just like having some fun. You know, it's like, mm. they want to play hide and seek. Like, I'll be down for it. You I know, guess
1: maybe maybe. <laughs> But then Chris Pratt is like, "Oh, I know what we need to do. We need to turn off all the lights in this building." So we like <laughs> has, that. It was, has them cut the power, and I'm like, "We have not heard that this dinosaur has like really good eyesight. Like, why are we cutting off the? And you can't see with the lights off. So like, this makes literally no sense whatsoever."
0: Again, it was because they wanted the visual of turning on the lights and having the yes. dinosaur be right there. Oh, that's 100%. like all they cared about was these splashy moments of like intense like interesting shots but it's like it's no longer interesting because they just show their hands so much that you know that's exactly what they're doing and you just feel used i was just like this is boring like you're not even trying
1: and the world and the world's like most convenient angsty shot comes when the dinosaur the indoraptor chases them all up onto the roof they're on like this glass like greenhouse conservatory (laughs) they're on the top like the every the glass is cracking finally the blue chris pratt's pet raptor attacks the indoraptor and like breaks it to the ceiling and in the most artistic convenient shot ever (laughs) the indoraptor falls directly onto a skeleton of a triceratops and is impaled on the horns in like this glorious wes anderson themed uh like straight to center camera shot
0: and it's like usually I love Michael Giacchino I really do but there was some weird music once they got to the house where it was very operatic it was almost like Lord of the Rings style like there was a lot of chanting in the background a lot of chorus work
1: like duel of the fates
0: yeah. And so during this scene, it's just like this dramatic, like ridiculously dramatic song. And you're just like, I can't tell if they're leaning into the camp or they're just like so unaware by now. They're, they're just like, whatever, you know?
1: Yes. And this should have been the climax of the movie where we have the the crazy dinosaur chases them through the house, dies in this dramatic fashion. But it is not. Because there is this bizarre subplot where there is like in the holding area of the basement where these dinosaurs are, there's like for some reason or another a gas leak and it's like going to kill the dinosaurs if they don't open the garage door and let them escape into the wild.
0: Let them free into the Northern California hills. Yeah, it was really dumb because that's where you had to have the side characters come back. And it's so funny to me that they just like happened to like, like, what was their plan? You know, were they going to look for Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard? Were they like, they need to get this second opinion on what to do? Or were they trying to escape? And then they were like, oh, do you guys want to see what we were up to for this part of the film? And it's like, they just all wind up back in here where they're told we can't do anything for them. So let's just sit here together and watch them die. Like, is that, is that what the neurosurgeon or whatever and the hacker knockoff dude wanted was just like, (laughs) let's all just watch them die now. That's all we can do. And it's just like, well, why, why come back then? If it's like, you know it's hopeless. Right. It's just so contrived to like get them to this point again. But they're like, we have, which is where the dumbest yes. part of the movie. But we
1: actually <laughs> have this very large red button that if we press it,
0: <laughs> in the middle, in the middle of the desk, yes. just like alone yes. by itself on its yes. own panel. If you press it, it like- the
1: dinosaurs live. If you don't press it, the dinosaurs die. <laughs> yeah.
0: And finally, yeah, it's like deal or no yeah. deal.
1: Finally, Bryce Dells Howard has like smartened up enough in this movie that she's like oh we can actually make more dinosaurs and like we really don't have that many left so maybe let's just let these ones die but in the twist of all twists M. Night Shyamalan style (laughs) it turns out that who we thought was the granddaughter was actually The cloned daughter. Not only are the dinosaurs cloned, but the daughter is cloned. Dun, dun, dun. That was
0: my favorite. That was my favorite part of the movie was they were standing. I don't remember why they were standing off. Like there was this standoff between Chris Pratt and then the evil dude who was selling all the dinosaurs. And he sees the young girl with them, and he's like, oh, what? You're going to take care of her now? You don't know everything about her. And it's like, why is this relevant right now? Like, is there a different way to take care of cloned children? Like, is there a special like diet they need? Like, what is this? Why is this going to like derail them from saving the child? Like, I don't know what his plan was, but he gives this monologue where he admits that this man's daughter died young. And so he was obsessed with cloning her. And that's why Hammond and him split ways. And he's cloned her a few times now, which is sort of weird. And that's all you get. That's like the whole, that's it. And then it's like, that's a weird twist. And again, it's just like lazy because it's not fully explored and it doesn't mean anything to this story until the very end when she finds this red button <laughs> and she presses it with possibly the stupidest line of all time where she's like, I had to. They're just like me. And it's like, "Um, no, Becky, they're like carnivorous dinosaurs that are going to wreak havoc on this world. Yep, But... She felt it in her little schoolgirl so heart. So they're
1: run out the dinosaurs all at the garage door. And she's just left there standing with this button. But, but like the frustrating thing, I felt like about this moment in particular, and I wrote this down, it was in a review from The Verge. Brian Bishop wrote, uh-huh. wrote an article for them and he says, like its pre- predecessor, Fallen Kingdom is overstuffed with ethical conundrums and not sophisticated enough to fully engage with them. yeah true because you have this part of this huge part of the movie it's about cloning dinosaurs and then you add in this element of like cloning people it's like this huge issue that you could talk about so many different ways and the only tiny smidge of any kind of like exploration of this topic is that she's like oh the dinosaurs are cloned and i'm cloned therefore we are friends and it's
0: like what yeah and she's handling this news very well mind oh, yes. you she's like oh i totally understand that's fine i'll just move on I from this no question climb
1: through all the dumb waiters without crying <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah it was a yeah that's what's annoying is like jurassic park was great because it took itself seriously and like the conversation these characters had about the moral issues and the ethical issues and the environmental impact were so interesting and so thought-provoking that you didn't mind that there wasn't a bloodbath going on. You didn't mind that you weren't seeing a bunch of dinosaurs in the first half. You were just so swept up in this world, this universe. And so then it just, trickles down to this disaster of a film which is fallen kingdom where they just have given up entirely on having those interesting conversations and instead are just filling the gaps with lazy writing to get from this dinosaur attack to this dinosaur attack and it's just like why bother like who asked for this but the point is like it still performed insanely well and like they'll probably do another one it
1: it made. (laughs) 150 million in the opening weekend just in u.s and canada and they also (laughs) had a weird this is like another side tangent but they had a very strange like release structure where they at released it like globally first and then in the u.s later so it's actually already made 700 million dollars worldwide because it's been out for like multiple weeks in other countries which is strange but you know, I mean, I guess they're doing something right.
0: Yeah, well, I think I think internationally audiences are much more forgiving of a of yeah. a bloated film like this, like the action films like this. And so it's like it it will do well. And that's what's so frustrating about like I mean, this is like a larger issue of like our day and age, but it's just like studios spend so much money on these movies and it's like it costs so much to get a movie made, it costs so much to like actually pull a movie out like this and they waste it on this like this is the best they could do like it's just like why why not care a little bit more like yeah obviously you get paid for this and everyone's still Mm -hmm. gonna go and so it's like i guess you don't have to like try anymore but it's like think of how good it could be if you did try you know did they not have anyone read this this script before it got this far? Like, yeah. did no one have questions about this line or, like, that moment? It just is so dumb.
1: <laughs> this does feel like, to me in its entirety kind of like a peace moving movie where you have this yeah. first movie where you want the dinosaurs in the park you want it to be like jurassic park and they're clearly mm-hmm. setting up this third movie which i'm excited to see <laughs> genuinely because i think <laughs> that the plot of this will be interesting where all of these dinosaurs including a very beautiful t-rex escape from this mansion and are just like running loose around where are they like California? But
0: Matthew, that movie would be over in half an hour it's like The idea is interesting, but the fact is there's 10 dinosaurs maybe half of them are carnivores it would take like 30 minutes of rampage before the u.s government was like oh we've got to shut this down and they'd kill the dinosaurs it's like when a black bear escapes the zoo it takes an hour to shoot it down you know what i mean it's like (laughs) yeah i don't see how they can sustain a whole movie around this. i guess
1: that's true i'm thinking of the like the third one is going to be like kind of a jaws kind of movie where it's like this there is menace like lurking but they can't find it it's, Like big, big. yeah yeah. that plot has more excitement value to me than like let's save the dinosaurs off the volcanic island and then let them loose in an old person's mansion <laughs> yeah. but so I'm excited for the third one. but I think that they knew that that's what the Colin Trevorrow signed up to direct movie number three and I think he was like yeah. this is the plot I want this is the plot of the first movie so whoever is writing the second movie like needs to get me from a to see <laughs> and you can do it in any way shape or form that you want to
0: literally anyway yeah i know it was just like it could have been done better though and that's it's so frustrating is i am not a movie writer i'm not like a professional but i a hundred percent think that we could have written a better script. Oh, like, clearly, I, not to discredit like whoever wrote this, but honestly, I think they phoned it in hardcore because this is just a mess. And it's like, does no one care anymore? Like that's what I'm worried about. Is it's just like they don't need to. So why bother putting Ugh. thought into it? People just sit there. And chomp their popcorn and watch dinosaurs eat dinosaurs. Discredit to
1: all of them. I mean, clearly we know what we're talking about. Somebody sign us up. I'll write a movie right now. I'll (laughs) slap some dinosaurs in there. I'll make a lot of beautiful uh, brontosaurus dying in the fire scenes. It'll be fantastic.
0: So much better, I think. I mean, and that's the thing is, third one should really just be like a. I think it should be like an HBO miniseries (laughs) where it's like The Walking Dead, but featuring. Raptors, and that's oh, oh and <laughs> i
1: would be very into that but done and done <laughs> i'll be a showrunner
0: <laughs> but instead we're gonna be stuck with bryce dallas howard making those same crazy eyes and that weird laugh and chris pratt pretending he's some action dude and now they kidnapped a clone like i don't know the legal ramifications of that but Ugh. it seems like yeah word sort of shady and it's just like well i guess we'll see how this goes but i don't have any faith left like The promo cycle for this movie drained me enough that I had no expectations going into this. And now this movie drained me even more that I'm like, I'm resistant to even bothering with the third one.
1: (laughs) I'm still very excited about the third one and and will go see it, despite the fact that I hated this one.
0: I know they ruined Jurassic world for me. It's just like, they've destroyed it. They've made it like they've made Frankenstein's monster out of this. What was once amazing. And it's now just like trying to be a, I don't know, like an amusement park ride. It's just not going to be anything good. It's just commercialized too much. Well, I guess
1: (laughs) maybe hopefully to end on a higher note, is there something that you love (laughs) or really hate? that you would like to bring (laughs) to our attention. Yeah, let's
0: move on from Fallen Kingdom. I know. Love it or hate it. I mean, yes, you're right. I need to remember the positive because I have been absolutely loving queer eye season two and i still cannot believe you haven't seen it
1: i didn't see season one or season two
0: i know i just i can't fathom it it's so good matthew everyone's loving it everyone's talking about it they're like five best friends that i wish i was stuck on an island with honestly (laughs) like i i think they are so cool and they're just so happy and i just think it's the feel-good show that we need and i love it it's the antidote for everything i'm feeling (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I
1: I will consider watching it. The, the reason why it didn't, like, jump out to me to begin with was just that I'm not a huge fan of, like, those, like, makeover, yeah. makeup, like, let me come change your life kind of, like, episodic shows, you know, like, say yes to the dress I or like yeah. to wear or whatever. I mean, I
0: was resistant at first, too. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. Seems sort of weird. I'm not going to watch it, but my husband watched it. He cried like a baby. I heard him sniffling one night and I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) And so then I had to watch it and I was hooked and I cried too. And it's just so good. I love it. And I've just been eating up all the interviews they're doing, all the promo, like all everything I can get my hands on about the Fab Five. I'm like totally absorbed in right now. I love it. That's a hardcore love it check right there.
1: I also have hardcore love at check, but in a very different direction.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm ready.
1: I'm reading the book I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara, which is about the Golden State oh. killer who is this serial killer and rapist who like wreaked havoc on all of California from like Sacramento all the way down to Los Angeles back in like the 70s and 80s, I think. Mm-hmm. And this book is terrifying like I'm not someone who, really? who gets uh, scared easily and I like could not sleep one night because I was like oh my gosh this man is going to like show up in my apartment like shine a <laughs> flashlight in my eyes and murder me like right here the, yeah. the book is just so gripping and terrifying and scary but the writing is so um it's so engaging and so beautiful and it's really not just the story of the serial killer but it's the story of the author's obsessive search for the serial killer and she yeah. actually died in the process of writing the book I know. Really sad. Yeah. and this is published after um she passed away obviously they finished it based on her notes but it's like to to read this story you know kind of from like her perspective and how like badly she wants to help catch this person and how she's like sifting through all the clues it's just like a really interesting look into the mind of a person
0: yes you'll have to send me a copy that sounds good i mean it sounds dark and depressing but i it sounds good too (laughs) i've heard good things so i'm game if you'll watch if you watch queer eye i'll read about the rapist murderer so really
1: like <laughs> either way you if you're listening to this and you're a person who likes to be afraid you have an option if you're a person who likes <laughs> yeah. to cry in your bed you have an option feel as well good,
0: yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no it's nice we're giving them a a well-rounded uh taste
1: maybe you'll cry either way
0: yeah (laughs) yeah it'll be rough no i think it'll be it'll be good to see how this um podcast goes i mean i think i have fun doing it it's nice to finally talk to someone who who thinks this much about movies yes. that are this and bad. And we were mostly you know? <laughs> on the same page,
1: which I feel like is miraculous and will not last long.
0: Yes, it never happens. Yeah. <laughs> I know. As soon as we watch, I don't even know what's next yeah. on my docket. I
1: mean, Ant-Man is coming out, which I will hate, but you'll probably like.
0: We'll have to do that. <laughs> it's Paul Rudd. Oh, yeah. He's so sweet. we shall see i guess (laughs) no so we have that we have that to look forward to for sure so um
1: thank you for listening and hopefully you'll come back next week
0: (laughs) yeah you'll have to yeah check us out we're on instagram twitter facebook p.s you're wrong and of course we love getting reviews likes feedback on itunes yeah
1: give us comments tell us what you thought about the movie maybe we'll like address it yeah. in a later episode if it's something if it's an interesting take we hadn't considered if you have a thoughts on human cloning we'd love to hear that
0: yeah impress us <laughs> thanks for listening this is PSU you wrong and we look forward to talking to you next time bye <laughs>